Good afternoon to you. It is Wednesday, December 27th at just after 3.30 in the afternoon on Wednesday. I said Wednesday twice. Wednesday, December 27th, 3.34 p.m. Um, I'm Boiler Dowd, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the bad news we received as a, as a late Christmas gift yesterday as Boiler fans, and, and what does it mean to us? What does this mean in the grand scheme of things? How do I see it? Versus how some others see it. We had a long discussion on the Boiled Sports sidebar chat. Talking about it. and I got really, really red hot about this. Um, and how, why I got angry might surprise you. Maybe not. Maybe not. You've been around here for a while. But we'll see. Before I talk about it. Before I talk about Scorton's departure. Uh, let me thank our pals at Homefield. Head over to Homefield Apparel. Uh Grab a t-shirt, sweatshirt, and are boiled 23 at checkout. You'll get 15% off your first order and when on campus. Head over to AJ's on Vine. My dad says I should say head over to AJ's. It's near the fire station. It's better. It's a better describer. But AJ's on Vine. Uh, burgers, beef, and beer. That's AJ's. EatAJ's.com. Um, so in case, let me, give you, let me give you some backstory. In case you don't know it, Nick Scorton was uh, recruited by Jeff Brom's coaching staff um, way back, way back in 2020. I think that's right. No, that's wrong. Um, a couple years ago, he's a, he's a sophomore. Yep, 2020. He was uh, he was a junior in 2020. So 2021 is that right? I'm gonna do this right. Yeah, 2021. He signed. Okay, there we go. So if you don't know about Nick Scorton as a uh, recruit because you don't follow recruiting, I don't blame you. Recruiting's difficult. And I've been talking a little bit about um, my struggles with recruiting over the last couple of years, why I backed way off of recruiting, why I don't follow it, don't cover it, don't talk about it as much. And I got to tell you, the last couple of days, last month, last month and a half, don't do much to make me say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to start talking about recruiting. Um, Scorton was a three-star recruit, uh, out of, uh, let me get this right again, um, out of Bryan, Texas. He's, if you watch his videos, he was a big, strong kid, 6'4", 280 pounds, big, strong kid, probably playing, playing a little bit out of position in high school because he never had his hand in the dirt. He's not the quickest lateral guy in the world, um, uh, in space. Uh, so he's a little out of position, maybe, <clears throat> but he was only a three-star. Didn't have a ton of offers. His best offer was Purdue. Purdue has a long history of taking kids from Texas and uh, doing big things and, and putting them in the position to succeed. That goes back to, really goes back to Joe Tiller, I'd say. I'm sure there's some examples before that. But Tiller recruited Texas heavily, and Purdue's done a really uh, good job finding the guys in Texas that were passed over by Texas A&M and Texas specifically um, and competing with uh, schools like Texas Tech and beating them, getting them in a position where they're going to play in bigger games and be in a position to play more often. Scorton, um, freshman year, he played quite a bit. I was a big fan of Scorton. I think if you go back and you look at my pre, uh, preseason prognostications, I just thought Scorton would be one of the guys that would benefit greatly from Coach Walter's offense. I was correct. Many of you were on the same page. You thought Scorton would be very, very, very good in this uh, defensive system. He was. Scorton and Jenkins create, created great counterbalance to each other to each other because you can't uh, afford as an offensive line to just double team one of them because the other one's coming for you too. 
Uh, both of them were great pass rushers. Both of them were uh, are great athletes. They're both strong as ox, oxen. Um, Scorton's the the bigger, longer body of the two. Uh, Jenkins is a guy that will beat you with leverage all day long. Scorton might beat you with. Um, he has a couple good good tricks in his bag, uh, but his length and his strength combined to make him pretty lethal on the end. And um, uh, yesterday, when we all heard that Scorton was in the transfer portal, it kind of felt a bit like a punch in the gut as a Purdue fan because <clears throat> Jay and Nish, Michael, uh, yeah, Michael still talks, uh, uh, and I all talked about. Who are the guys we really didn't want to see leave? Who are the guys we really didn't want to see enter the portal? And Scorton was kind of universal, our guy, that um, we didn't want to see that happen. And we didn't hear anything about him possibly going to the portal, possibly coming uh, or leaving Purdue and becoming a member of another uh, team, another school, whatever, however you want to look at it. Um, because there, there wasn't anything public about that. I don't know. I haven't heard anything, read anything on any message boards. I'm sure those are the best place to get all your information. That say, yeah, my brother's cousin's sister dated Scorton's roommate, and he said that Nick said this. That stuff's always good, right? <clears throat> but no, I, I didn't hear any of that. I didn't hear any of that. Scorton was, had a foot out the door. But <clears throat> strange things happen when kids go home for Christmas. Strange things happen when kids go on break. Number one, was he homesick? I don't know. I'd never heard that he was homesick, but you could be. He's from Texas. That's a long way from home. Uh, does he have good counsel around him? Meaning, are his parents, his aunts, his uncles, his friends, are they all people that really want what's best for him and are good level-headed people? There is absolutely no way to say what his counsel's like. And I say this all the time, I will die on this hill the people that surround a person, the people that surround a college athlete make so much different, so much difference in how they make their decisions in life. There's no doubt about that. And I don't know anything about any of those parts. So I can't make any statement on this. What I can tell you is when you're home and you have other people in your ear, maybe they're saying things like, man, it'd be great to have you home, something that simple. And I get it. <clears throat> Maybe it's something more nefarious. Maybe it's something a little, the underbelly of recruiting. We've talked about it for years. It's always existed. It's always been a thing that I don't like, even when it's clean and above board and along in, in, uh, in good standing with the rules. It still sometimes can feel a little icky. Now, let's add another layer of something. Maybe you haven't thought of this, but I thought of it. I don't know who Nick Scorton's agent is. You probably do know that now the NCA allows kids to be represented and they should because there's a lot of money changing hands. Did Nick Scorton's agent call him and say, Hey, there are people telling me that you're a big dollar guy. You can get paid a lot more than you are getting paid at Purdue. Maybe his agent did. And just like any good agent, he wants to make his money too. He wants to get his money now as the opportunity. I don't know. That sounds like a pretty likely story to me, a likely scenario. Is that the scenario? I don't know. I don't know. Did a school in the state of Texas reach out to Nick directly? I don't know. There's a pretty desperate one down there right now, if not a couple. There's a lot of scenarios that can lead to Nick Squirt making the decision to say, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to come back to Purdue. Now, 
Here's the first thing. The long, long, long shot is that he could leave the portal. It sounds like there's no way in hell that's happening based on the accounts from Tom Dienert and company. Scorton is a half million dollar man right now. <clears throat> the money's crazy. So do I, let's go to the first part. Do I disparage Nick Scorton for getting in the portal? No, I don't. I don't disparage anybody for saying this is a chance for me to make more money, more income, however you want to look at it. Who knows what lies ahead? meaning production, injury, whatever. If you get the opportunity to make a solid amount of money as a 20-year-old, you should probably go make that money because I didn't make that money at 20. I don't make that money now. I can go the step further. So I can relate. That's a lot of money. And the stories that we're hearing is Purdue was willing, according to their collective, they were able to pay a hundred something thousand dollars, and there's five hundred thousand plus out there for him. <clears throat> Probably a very, I think, from what we heard about Dion Burks leaving, another uh, high dollar portal NIL, NIL guy. Supposedly, he he had close to a million dollars offered to him. Okay, you cannot be angry at a kid for saying, "Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take that raise." Here's where you can, if you want to lay your anger at somebody's feet, I don't. Blame it, lay it at Coach Walters. I don't lay it at Babinski. I don't lay it at the collective. I lay this at the feet of the mess because the NCAA didn't do anything when they saw all these problems coming. They didn't do anything the right way. They just threw a bunch of changes at a problem and put every team, every school in the position where they are going to be victimized over and over and over unless they have the infrastructure. We've talked about infrastructure here before. It's a code word. Infrastructure means you used to pay people under the table and now you, you're ready to pay them out. We heard the stories of Purdue's Collective trying to get up to speed to say, okay, we don't have the tools to do this. We don't have the money coming in because we didn't have boosters doing this at Purdue. And I believe it. But Purdue, over the period of a year and a half, has gotten up to speed to the point where they've been able to uh, pay guys what the market um, will demand in some cases. Zach Eady is the biggest one, the most public one that we all know about. They found a way to keep Zach in, at Purdue. That's a big success. Stories like Deion Burks and Nick Scorton now are, I don't want to say failures, but they just show things are what they are. Purdue will not be able to do this. Purdue does not have oil men in the background that are quietly sliding money into the collective. They have guys like Greg McManus, maybe. You know, just good guys who are big Purdue fans say, I don't know, how can I help, right? I can tell you that I haven't given nickel to the collective. And I won't give a nickel to the collective. And I'll tell you why. I haven't come out publicly and said this. But the big thing that I look at is there's so much money in this hopper there's so much television revenue in this hopper. And there are so many people out there that this is it for them. This is the one thing. I love Purdue sports. You guys know that. I put my passion, my time behind Purdue sports. I am not going to do this because these guys, in my opinion, these guys and girls are already getting a pretty damn good deal. A much better deal than anybody who's tuned in here in the side got when they went to college. I've always thought it was an honor to attend Purdue. Let me just start there. I love Purdue. I liked Purdue. Going there, I, some of my best friends were met there. I like the place, okay? 
So when I made my final decision, I had three schools I was looking at, and I decided on Purdue because it was the place for me. I was thoroughly brainwashed by my dad, who was watching this live. I appreciate you being here, Dad, and some others uh, who are watching. But I love Purdue. And so when, if someone said to me, I'm going to offer you a scholarship to go to Purdue, I would have been dancing in the streets. Granted, I am not six foot four, 280 pounds, and I am not the smartest guy in the world. So getting a scholarship and getting room and board, my senior year, I was an RA. Many of you had this. My school was paid for my senior year, and I thought, what a deal. What a great deal. So getting paid on top of that, mercy, good for these guys and girls to be able to make that money. I'm not the guy who's going to be throwing money into that hat. I'll give money into the, I've given money to John Purdue. I'll give money to season tickets. I'll buy Purdue sweatshirts. I'll buy hats. I'll be on campus. I, I want to root for these kids that want to be at Purdue. Okay. That old adage, the Butler way, I always say it. Barry Collier really coined something that was, it's a basic idea in that you want people on campus that want to be on campus. And when they don't want to be there, you'll know it. We've seen it in basketball. We've seen it in football. They create a bad, bad environment and start tearing a team apart from the inside. So if Nick Scorton had a foot out the door and he thought there was a better thing on the horizon, good on Nick. Go do big things. I hope it goes great for you. I hope the grass is truly greener. What Nick may not see is there were some pretty good things at Purdue. Maybe he actually liked it a little bit more than he gave it credit for. I, I think it's such a weird thing. I still have a hard time with this. I've played sports. I still, I mean, it's so weird to me. That every time these guys leave, you have all these comments from players commenting, go get your bag, congratulations, all this. And all I can think of is the old ideas that I was taught about being a teammate, how weird that must be for some of these guys. There must be some on the team that think a little bit old-fashioned, that think, man, that sucks. My teammate's gone. The guy who I lined up next to, he's gone. He's not here anymore. And the guy on the other side, he's not gone either. Okay, so the bigger thing. Let's look at the bigger picture. What's this mean? Well, Purdue has always been a developmental football program, even at their height. When they're an eight and nine win team, they're a developmental football program. So they're going to go and get the guy that maybe somebody else wasn't willing to offer or couldn't offer or whatever. I have a friend whose son is a recruit right now. He's being recruited by Max Schools. Maybe he's listening. He comes on here every now and again. But... He says now the guys like his son who aren't the highest level recruits aren't getting a lot of attention because these coaches are like, hey, you know, when, when, the, when the portal is flooded with Purdue players, maybe the Purdue players that aren't going to go get a raise, maybe the guys that say, I'm not even going to see the field at Purdue. I didn't get a sniff. Maybe I should go to a Mac school to play. Well, that coach at that Mac school, he's going to try to lock down the guy who went to Purdue. So this portal as everyone's thought and everyone's seen as a niche first text when he saw Scorton's news, the portal giveth, the portal taketh away. There's no doubt about that. A team like, a school like Eastern Michigan, a school like Ball State, like Miami, they may get rich off of having Purdue guys that couldn't quite get on the field and said, you know what, I'm done here. I'm getting out of here. I, so, so the portal goes that way. And then it comes this way by Nylon Green from, from Georgia who comes to Purdue, who was a formal five-star recruit out of high school, who went to Georgia. He didn't play as much as he wanted to. Something didn't work out. He entered the portal on December 9th, and he decided he was coming to Purdue, I think, on December 24th. So there's some time in between there. Maybe that's an issue of um, he really liked Coach Walters and thought, you know what? Coach Walters was a defensive back. 
Coach Walters can make guys turn them into pros. He did it for what Witherspoon at Illinois, who became an immediate, an immediate starter in the NFL and a high pick. Or it could have been something much easier. Maybe the Purdue's NIL was actually able to pay them more than Georgia, which I highly doubt. I highly doubt. But there's a reason Nylon Green ends up at Purdue, a former five-star recruit, and one of the highest, if not the very highest, cornerback in America. He lands at Purdue. And right as we're saying, yay, celebrating that news, boom, we get the Scorton news. Scorton's gone. Purdue's going to have to deal with this forever, okay? And in my opinion, in my opinion, you have a broken sport. I keep saying this is the broken era on Twitter. This is the broken era of NCAA sports. We are seeing things like this. I don't think Scorton would have left Purdue for any other reason other than to go get paid, which is, like I said, I don't disparage the kid. Let me just make that very clear. I don't disparage the kid. Scorton was a captain, if you don't know. And Scorton was a guy that seemed to really like Purdue and seemed to be a really good fit in Walter's system. Like I said, he was being showcased, a lot like Deion Burks was being showcased. Unlike Deion Burks, okay, Deion Burks struggled with a couple things, I think, in my opinion, my two-bit opinion. Burks had a hard time catching the ball across the middle with his hands, okay, when the ball was low. He'd catch it over his, over his shoulder all day long. He could beat guys with just his speed. But Burks was still a bit incomplete. Scorton is a lot more of a complete football player as a sophomore than Burks was as a junior, whatever he was. I mean, that's another thing, the eligibility. Mercy. What a mess. So, NCAA football, this broken era is here. It is upon us. It's going to be here until they put structure around these players, until they put contracts here, two-year deals, something. It's going to be like this. But the straw that will break the camel's back, the canary in the coal mine, as I said in the, in the title of this quick cast, the canary in the coal mine will be a guy at a big-time program, maybe Georgia, maybe Michigan, maybe Ohio State, deciding he's going to leave before the season's over, over because he gets word from another school that they've got a sweeter deal that he needs to take, take them up on it. And he'll be gone, and then you'll have... The Big Ten commissioner and the SEC commissioner say, we got to do something about this. This is a mess. And that's when you might see things like we've talked about, the scenario of a Super League. I think that's the thing that happens because the NCAA simply doesn't have the tools in its, in its quiver, nor do they have the upper lip to do it. They've never had the ability to do it. I just talked about this to the BS guys. Michigan was found guilty of NCAA, multiple NCAA recruiting violations in the last few days. In the last 10 days, right? Last 15 days, last 20 days, whenever. It doesn't matter. But this is not even the issue with Harbaugh's coaches stealing signals. Oh, no, this is a different Michigan issue. This is the one that got Harbaugh punished internally before the season. And now... The NCAA has found Michigan guilty of multiple recruiting violations. And what does that do? Is Michigan get kicked out of the playoff? No. Michigan's going to the playoff. It reminds me a lot of North Carolina years ago, having a sham of a class to put guys in to make it easy on them so they don't have to have any academic rigor. NCAA finds them guilty. North Carolina keeps their national title. The NCAA has been a joke for a long time. If you work at the NCAA, take the word to your people in the office. Find some punishment. Find some regulation that's clear. You do this, you get this punishment. Okay? The problem with all this is, from what I understand, is much of the punishment 
that is accepted by the school has to be accepted. Look at Kansas, the way they act like gangsters and, and like they're above the law. Bill Self and Company, literally named in a federal case. Money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, changing, changing hands. Kansas, you're fingered, it's done. We've got you. Kansas is like, mm, nah, we're going to have Snoop Dogg opening our, uh, our basketball season next year. And they did that. So it's kind of like they're at the mercy when they feel like saying, yeah, okay, take me away. Take me away. You're being punished. What you need is a governing body that will actually punish. And they say, if you tamper, if we find out you tamper, just like in the NFL, we're going to fine you. There's real money on the, on the line here. We're going to not let you get on the schedule next year. So there's, there's a ticket. Maybe they'll say, well, you can only get on six games next year. You can only get six games scheduled. And the rest of them have to be scheduled with a lower non-paid division. Isn't this ridiculous that I'm even saying this? But something like that with teeth, that actually hits them in the wallet, right? But the NCAA sure as hell is not going to do it. And college football and basketball are going to remain broken for a while. And schools like Purdue football and basketball, where we've always been a second tier under the people that paid. Anish says he just wants honesty among this. I get what he's saying, meaning we've always known there were two sets of rules. The honesty is not going to change a damn thing because they're just going to continue to manipulate rules even more so until there are real punishments in place. Things that make it sting. Hit them where they need to be hit. So that booster that gave a bazillion dollars just to have a conversation with a player, um, maybe the university says, you're not welcome here anymore because... You're filthy, okay? You're not going with any of the rules. That guy's always going to exist. That woman's always going to exist. That person is always going to exist. The big problem the NCAA has, the big problem Purdue football have, okay? The overarching problem is relatability. And I keep saying this to people that I know. It's very nice to say, yeah, I went to Purdue. They, they lace them up in black and gold, right? These players, that's part of the reason you want to go back. See, uh... What's happening on campus if you're not a big fan, but the relatability of a player. Do you have the ability to follow up on these personalities and learn about them? My brother is a season ticket holder in football and basketball. He says, I'm done following any of this in the offseason because all it is is heartache. All it is is ridiculous. All it is is not easy to understand. There's so much movement of parts here, and he's right. So then you show up in the fall for football, and you say, let's see who we got, and you pull out the roster and you try to catch up all season and figure out who these guys are because you're not going to know any of them next year purdue has 42 no now it's 43 or 44 new members of the football team coming in the fall 44 that's half a roster guys girls that's hard to relate with because you don't know anybody on there someone asked right, am i going to have a signing day recruiting show i'm not i've decided i'm not going to do it this was kind of the nail in the coffin for me deciding not to do that. If you listen to Coach Walters talk about it, he doesn't know everybody that signed. He can't. There's no way. The guy already, already has a hell of a job. Remember, he has to go rally people like you and I to try to get them to get in the collective, to try to get them to give to John Purdue, to try to get them to buy season tickets. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I love the fact that this coaching staff's young and flexible, and they can zig and zag and try to find a way to answer these hard questions that are um, ever-changing. This moving, moving dot to try to hit that with the, with the dart is difficult. But the lack of relatability, 
the lack of relatability is going to be something that's going to plague college football for a while now. It's going or for a long time into our future. Let me say that again. That's the big problem. You're not going to be able to relate with these guys and girls because you're not going to know who's out there. It's the dorkiest of college football fan has a hard time keeping up with the portal and what's going on. And a lot of this stuff is kind of murky to say the, the least. So it's going to be tougher. It's going to be tougher in the future to relate. And I think you're going to have more and more alums say, you know what? I'm not getting season tickets. I don't know who these guys and girls are. I don't know who's playing. The next stage, um, and we'll see what happens. Will ticket sales fall, right? Will it become just a TV only thing and a once a year homecoming type thing? I don't know. I still, have, I'm still going to have my student, uh, my uh, season tickets for football. I've already fallen off in basketball. Different reason. Just being honest with you. So that's my whole thoughts on this whole thing. Is Nick Scorton the, the canary in the mine? Yeah, he is for the greater, to me, the greater sport. It's not just Purdue. But nothing major is going to change for a long time. Uh, first, you've got so many things that need to happen. The next thing is that, like I said, that paid subdivision is coming in a hurry. The next thing is the universities will take over the NIL in-house, which will mean TV revenue will directly affect the NIL, that will actually help Purdue. If you're looking at a Purdue-centric way, which I do, that will help Purdue because Purdue is part of the biggest TV contract in the history of college sports. And when that $75, $80 million starts rolling in, it won't just go to fancy new facilities. It will also be rolled into that collective, which will be in-house, and there'll be an in-house bonus or contract manager. I don't know how they'll do it, but hopefully... Hopefully, they get some contracts on the book, they get some, some uh, rules in place, and they get some real ramifications, some real uh, accountability for agents and schools and others that decide, now's the time to pluck this guy from another school. Let me, uh, sorry, I got real wound up. I didn't even get as wound up as I did yesterday. I literally let myself cool for 24 hours on purpose, and I still, this stuff still gets at me. Um, and if I'm not being very uh, succinct, if I'm not being very clear, I apologize, but um, a lot of stuff's rattling around my head. Heads, I, head, I've been talking about this issue for 26 minutes. I appreciate you guys who've stayed here. Go through your comments for a second. Chris Harder says, howdy, how are you, Chris? Good to see you. I don't know if you notice this, Chris. Right there. Or my shoulder. That's your hat. Yeah, you gave me. I appreciate that. You probably can't see it because of the uh, bokeh of the camera, but appreciate it, Chris. Uh, Greg Manis is here, says hello. Nate Anderson says, is it because he's a Brom recruit or is he just getting his bag? Yeah, so Nate, uh, I think this one is a two-fold thing. I don't think this one, or it's a one-fold thing. That's wrong. I don't think this one has anything to do with him being a Brom recruit because it seemed like he was pretty pleased. This has everything to do, according to Dean Art, um, with Purdue not being able to match the market value of Nick Scorton. Uh, Greg Manis says, yeah, he says, I think Newbert... Uh, Said on his post today, Nick got home for a break and family got into his ear. Uh, was that initiated by Elko's staff? Who knows? Yeah, we don't know. I, 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 goodness gracious. It can be a myriad of things. Um, family, another university, like I said, his representation, who knows? Um, yeah, I think it's AM too, Greg. Greg McManus Greg says AM is probably the landing spot. Uh, Scott Just Tech says, Hope you had a Merry Christmas. Love the shows. Thanks, Scott. Uh, Merry Christmas to you too. Um, 
it was a great Christmas, honestly. It took spend time. We have our family. We do this thing where we spend time with the same people at different people's houses for like three, four days in a row at different events, name different things. But it's really all of us just overeating and talking. And it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great couple of days, though. John Younger says he's a year away from the NFL, so whatever it is, uh, it's a one-year sell. Yeah, I mean, so, John, I'm going to – you're right. You're absolutely right. But this reminds me of the same episodes we've had with – uh, Carl Loftus with Bell and with Moore. It's another one where you're like, dag nab, I just wanted to see one more year. <laughs> we just saw a great year from Scorton. One more in black and gold would have been great, right? I think we can all agree to that. We're all very Purdue-centric. Uh, Nate Anderson says, uh, he's talking about to Ben up above. Ben Cotton, how are you? Good to see you. Um, Al Dowd says, hope you had a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for the shoes. You're welcome, Dad. Um, Boiler Max says NCA needs to implement transfer fees like European soccer has requires uh, acquiring sh- uh, school club paying incumbent and other uh, school in order to initiate a transfer. Okay, glad you brought up this uh, the parallels with soccer with pro soccer. Okay, I got a scenario for you, and I've thought about this a bit. So pretend for a second we have two divisions in college football. Because the NCAA has already put this out, the paid subdivision, unpaid subdivision. Let's pretend for a second that the NCAA becomes null and void for the upper division, which they probably will if they're not already are. So they're governing the lower division. Okay, And the lower division is, uh, I don't know, you can pick where you're cut off. I'm not going to talk about it. But the upper division gets, let's say, lax on their academic standards because they're really worried about money changing hands and contrast tracks and things like that. And the guy says, you know what, just like the old, good old days, like 2023, I don't play very much at Purdue. I'm going to head out. I'm hitting the portal. I'm getting out of here. And I'm going to head down to, to Central Michigan. I'm going to head to Eastern Michigan. I'm going to head to uh, pick, a, pick a school from a mid-major. And he goes, and because of the academic standards at Purdue, because they've changed, I'm just saying, I'm just, this is a scenario. This is a la-la land thing. Could never happen. But the academic standards have changed because now it's really just pro sports light, right, with, with, a, with a college logo on the helmet. So now he can't even go to college and play football because he hasn't kept his academic coursework up to par with that division. Is that a scenario that seems ridiculous? I don't think so. I think that's going to be – there's a lot of stickiness to me that could come with this and will come with this over the coming years. But yeah, they need to put some rules in place like the like the uh, transfer of players and money in, in soccer in Europe. But bigger thing, they need to have real structure that they don't have. They don't have any of it. Um, yeah, uh, Greg Manis says, if agents are involved now, that sounds like contracts need to be next. I think there are already contacts, contracts involved in some way, but I think they're looser. I think there's something like, you know, a year for your service here or a semester or a season, whatever. And this is the money you're going to get. I think it's that simple and that that agent is getting a bit off the top. But I don't think there are terms involved, meaning, okay, you sign this, you're here for two years. We saw that down in Miami. They had big problems with the way the money exchanged hands. Boy, this is big business, guys. This is a whole, whole different thing than we've ever seen before. Um, Greg Manis says, this is short sight on the NCA. Yeah, everything's short sight on the part of the NCA. That's the way they do things. Um Boiler Mac says requiring transfer fees will help smaller schools like ones like the Mac get compensated for getting their best players plucked every season. Yeah, this is it's going to it's that TV revenue. That's another thing that will go to pay. You know, that would makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, 
But think about this. There's a cost that comes with all this. There's a cost that comes with all this. This becoming real money and real contracts. Let's see what the fallout is elsewhere. Every place from coaches' contracts, which is fine. They could trim out some of these coaches' contracts. Facilities. Other sports. I keep saying this. This one's coming too. And no one's talking about it. That if you pull money out of the hopper, a lot of schools run pretty close to an even ledger. They're going to have to drop sports or they'll choose to drop sports because these others don't bring in revenue. You watch. We saw it during COVID. Many schools dropped sports because they couldn't afford to keep them in place. That money is going, losing that money, losing that money to be used in general is going to have a bigger cost. Uh, Casey Joannis says Purdue will be in the minors for the blue, with the Blue Bloods. Purdue will start to pilfer. Uh, SC, SCS and D2. This is going to be really hard for high school recruits. Three-star and below. Coaches will pick their known talent. Yeah, it's it's already hard um, for lower recruits. Um, it's already hard. And it's going to get harder. And the way you... I mean, I can't imagine how big the recruiting arm of an athletic department will come. Football will become a huge staff in itself because it's already grown a lot. Those staffs have to watch... Multiple tickers, multiple um, places where players are announcing they're available or not available and all that. This becomes a really, really big expenditure because um, you're not going to have all GAs in there. Because you're gonna, this is going to be too important to just have guys that are, um, you know, getting $30,000 a year. This will be big money too in itself. Um, ben Cotton says, I just don't know how this level of money can be sustained. I'll tell you how it can be sustained, Ben. We've already seen this, okay? And it comes from, again, from TV contracts, eyeballs being on the product. As long as you have people watching games, you're going to have big TV contracts. And as long as you have, number one, people like me and you, Ben, I think, just big college fans, they're going to say, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll pay for the Peacock membership right now. And there, so there's some money, right? That goes into that Big Ten Network money. But then on top of that, the, maybe the bigger portion of this gambling money people are keeping an eye on sports because of gambling the legalization of gambling and making it just kind of taking a vice and making it open that has changed everything and that in that pushes more money into television contracts we don't think so we're fooling ourselves um let's see zachary young says give me 85 kids that want to be at purdue in august and i'll ride for those guys i'll show up at ross aid and cheer for them me too zachary i'm with you so um but if you're anything like me, Zachary, it's going to be hard to keep up with them. Hard to know who's number whatever during the year. And then by the time you get to know them, they've entered the portal. Steve Coop, writer, says, longtime listener, first time to be able to watch live and comment. Glad you're here, Steve. Uh, love the uh, quick cast and handsome hour. Boiler up, hammer down, class of 96. I'm class of 97, Steve. You and I probably passed each other on campus. One fateful day. Big campus, like a city, right? Uh, Jim Garfinkel says, we need luxury taxes. Yeah, there's going to be all sorts of stuff coming. It's all coming. Joe Inslee says, I think Nick left because Boiled Sports guys couldn't pronounce his name correctly. Well, let me tell you something, Joe. His name wasn't even squirting to us until this year, so we did a pretty good job. Calling him Scourton, which is the correct uh, grammatical pronunciation, is okay. It took us a while. Scorton. That's a little bit of a tester. Nick Carraway. Let's not forget. He was Nick Carraway a year ago. This is a lot of hard stuff. A lot of variables coming at you. So that could be it, though. That could be it. Who knows, Joe? Alex Drick says the only way to punish them is take away a percentage of the TV revenue from teams that tamper. I'm sure that if cash dries up, the bad actions will quickly stop. Yep, you have to have real teeth. Money is it. 
Uh, the Well Ministry says it's all crap. Seven and five and a lame bull. Top uh, that top players will skip is the new reality. Okay, so not necessarily seven and five. Let's look at Minnesota. They went at five and seven, and then they won. So they go away victorious from their big bull. They end the season six and seven. Not just five and seven, seven and five. Wow, uh, mercy. Yeah, that's it's it's a tough thing to enjoy and to see that as something important. And the players see through it now. I've got a system. I've got an idea. And I don't know if I've mentioned this. You put a bonus system on those bowls, and maybe those players will change, will stay for a little bit longer. And I'm not kidding. Say everybody who plays, everybody's on the roster for the bowl gets twenty. $30,000, okay? That's a pretty good bump around Christmas. I'd take it for an extra two weeks of work, okay? That's the first thing. And then if you win, maybe you get another double that. If you lose, 10000 I don't know, something like that. So 20000 to 30000 and then everybody who wins gets an extra $50,000. Those games would mean a hell of a lot more. I can tell you that much. The really interesting thing, if you're a psycho like me and you actually watch some of these bulls, they wavered from being A, apathetic players on the team, on the field, to be guys being absolutely nuts and not caring about getting flagged or um, getting in fights. Very, very interesting. And it depended on what quarter you were watching, depending on which team you were watching. Crazy variance of emotion watching these teams play. Um, and then you have some games. I think there was a bowl game last night between two teams in Texas playing in Texas. Uh, they were lower teams. I think they were both 6-6. Six and six. Lots of fun there. But you know what? The stadium was almost full with their families, and it had to be almost all their families. Mark Garrity says, I could see agreements come in place before the total system regula uh, regulation. Total system? You mean regulation? Yeah, regulation. It may be driven out of schools and NIL deals. NIL cash is contingent upon staying for two years, for example. I think it's good. I think these, the idea of having two years of NIL or two, uh, two year minimum makes a lot of sense. You already have people telling you that these guys have been kept under the thumb of the university. Like I told you my rant, um, I don't see it that way. I know it's hard. I, I always root for these guys, and I appreciate what they do for my alma mater, just playing the sport. But um, what you'll have is you'll have people saying, well, you can leave your job. I can leave my job. That's true. Um, but I don't get paid this much, and I don't have a contract like this because my job is not this lucrative. And so that's the thing. Now you have real, real money changing places. I think real contracts are coming. I think that's the only way that, that um, I can tell you in my industry, though, you have a lot of things with non-competes, tons of things in non-competes. I don't know if any of you work in an industry where that is a big deal. I can tell you a, a, a friend of mine who was also a shoe designer who I worked alongside, he was absolutely publicly embarrassed by a company because he left early on his non-compete and he was put in the in the he was the top story in the newspaper out in Portland. Um, so that's the other thing. Be careful what everybody wishes for here. Because the idea of having a bunch of kids playing the sport and looking at it, them like kids and people letting them get out of jail free because they're kids is going to be gone soon because none of that's going to be the, the case. This is going to be real money, a lot more money than most of the people watching make. And so you're going to have a, a lot higher accountability. You're going to have coaches saying, you know, we don't have room on our roster for a guy who's going to develop over two, three seasons. We've got to see something for our dollar after a season or two. How about that scenario? And that's coming quickly. They also say there's one thing that's coming. I think the NCAA talked about no 
limitation on scholarship numbers. So that puts you right back into the bad old days where Ohio State was carrying 110 scholarship players and Purdue was carrying 90 or 85. And so when they'd come off the bus, it'd be like, holy moly, they just keep on coming. And they would squat on players as long as they can, and then they'd eventually see the field, or maybe they wouldn't. In this scenario, I think it would be like, okay, we've got this guy. Now when he says he may leave, we say, okay, we'll give you, we'll give you what you want. We'll give you your NIL money because we really want you to stay around for a little bit while. But that guy's fallen by the wayside, right? Uh, Greg Mana says, my bet is the non-revenue sports eventually separate from the major conferences, return to a regional model. Yeah, I think that makes sense. The, re the idea of, let's pretend for a second the Big Ten expands to the Atlantic. I don't know. Maybe that'll happen. Who knows? But let's pretend it does. Exp it expands to maybe North Carolina. And you have a, a, an evening game in softball between North Carolina and UCLA. Just a normal conference game. This doesn't make any sense. That's, it's insane, right? I'm not saying it's insane for two football teams to play that are far away. I'm not saying that. But I will say it is insane for the non-revenue sports. It is awfully difficult for that. Uh, Boiler Max says, yeah, so how is girls softball going to work in the Big Ten? Is Purdue traveling to Eugene and Seattle in April? Um, I don't think Purdue will travel to both of those in April, but it's just going to be just like football, right? I mean, and for a couple of years until they realize this isn't going to work. Al Dowd says, sounds like a bidding time between Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, Bama, just like the old days, and Purdue doesn't get that win. Nope. Uh, Boilers 012, how long before apathy kicks in if it hasn't already, I still believe fans will show up in Ross-Aid, come for opening day, but if football struggles and top players continue to leave, how long before average fans tune out? Purdue fans have been pretty hardy this year. I give my, my hat off to Purdue fans, to Purdue students. This was not the greatest year. The product was not the greatest product, and yet Purdue fans showed up to every game, nearly full stadiums every game. Apathy will set in a lot quicker when you start not being able to say, you know, like in basketball, it might be a little bit easier to hold that off for a while, right? Because you're like, okay, there's 12 guys on the roster. If you include walk-ons, it seems like Purdue has like 15 walk-ons this year. If you look at the bench, I know not everybody's dressing right now. I know they have some, I think they have trainers or something dressing that they did earlier. But it's a lot easier to relate with these guys when you can see them laughing and joking around on the court. It's a lot different with a helmet on. Right and with your ba their back to us, we don't get to know these personalities very well. And even if we did get to know them in a year, two years, whatever, now you're you better get to know them quick, right? So, yeah, Purdue fans have been awesome though. I hats off to everybody that wears gold and black. Um, let's see, Mark Gary says big equals North Conference, SEC South Conference. Uh, yeah, so it's to me the it's pretty simple. You're like, <laughs> The Big Ten will be this part of America. The SEC will be this part, and there'll be a couple Big Ten and SEC down here. Uh, it's silly. But I do think that revenue generating versus non-revenue generating is something that will happen. But I think really, and I, I, boy, there's so many variables. It just seems to me like football will break away first because it can, I think, that, tell me if you guys understand Title IX better than me. But from what I understand, unless there's a, a women's, sport that's equal you don't have to pay equal so it's a l easier bridge to cross for football tell me if i'm wrong about this but this is the way i understand it that and please i'm serious tell me if i'm wrong in the comments that football you could have football as a freestanding entity associated with the university in some way 
like they said on Seinfeld, you're rooting for laundry. Um, but you'd have the football program, and you don't have to have the equal amount of women's paid athletes getting paid the same amount. Now, I still don't understand how they're going to get equal pay because the football contracts in NL are, NIL are going to be massive. We already see it. We're seeing half-million-dollar, million-dollar contracts already. What's this look like in a year? Finally, uh, yeah, Mark Garrity says semi-pro league. No, it's not. It's a pro league. It's not a semi-pro league. It's a pro league. Lots of money is changing hands. Years ago, Purdue used to have, uh, uh, pardon me, Lafayette used to have what the Lafayette Leopards played baseball, I believe. That was semi-pro because those guys were not making enough money to cover their costs, so they had other jobs. These guys are all making enough money now. Their costs are covered. Even the, from what I understand it, even right now as, a, as an NIL player, you're doing just fine. You're making more money than I made coming out of college. That's fine. You're in a big money industry. That's cool. Um, and I keep telling my friend who's, whose son is a recruit, make sure your son is going someplace that he can go and get the degree that he wants to get and he feels real comfortable on campus. This isn't just about football, especially if you're a younger kid. Now, you're a kid from a, a lesser, you know, sub three-star athlete. This is the way it's going to be. But make sure you're in the, at, the right, at the right campus. Who the hell would want to go through all this transfer stuff? I, that's the thing I think about. I just hate moving. <laughs> so I'm sure that the uh, Texas A&M movers are pretty good, though. So Nick's, I'm sure they'll send a truck up there and get all this stuff out of West Lafayette. But I just hate new, moving. I, I actually do like change, though, as my dad would attest. I don't mind moving within a city. I've moved halfway across the country once, uh, twice, actually, there and back. But... Doing that every year, oh boy, that's for the birds, man. Um, so Greg McManus says, uh, it's what I tell my lacrosse guys. Find the schools that have the academic program you want, then look at the teams. Right on, man. Greg is a guy who coaches lacrosse, and Greg, like me, works with has worked with kids in the past. I used to always say this to kids. Find the major, find the idea, the general. If you, if you can't get the specific major, number one, you may not, it may not be time to go to college. But if you're, if find the major and then go to the schools based on that major. We're doing this with my son right now. I highly suggest it. Don't just go to a school because they have pretty colors or you like the location or whatever. But big sidebar. Thank you, guys. This was kind of a, a quasi-handsome hour, too. My quick casts have grown. They've officially grown to big casts. 46 minutes. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, thanks for listening and bouncing ideas off each other. Let me know in the comments what you think about uh, the future of college sports, the future of Purdue sports, the future of Purdue football. Are we going to see major change or are we going to see just more of the same where it is like guys just hemorrhaging? I will just clarify this one more time. I do not think this is an indictment on Ryan Walters and his staff. I do not think that at all. In fact, this is something that is just, I don't know how you stop this without rules, without big changes, without more borders, more buffers put up. A lot of voices in these guys' and girls' heads, specifically these football players. A lot of voices. And on Christmas break, even more. So um, I, hope, I hope they get it figured out because right now it doesn't look good. God bless you. Hammer down. We will talk to you soon uh, at the next Quick Cast. Purdue plays on the 29th versus Eastern Kentucky. I will have a post game, but that's going to be delayed since I'm going to be in the house in Mackey for that one with my wife and daughter. Hope to see you there. See ya.